0: Uh, We've been in a series that we've titled The Blessed Life through Ephesians chapter 1, and we've been walking verse by verse through this dynamic, powerful, jam-packed chapter in God's Word, and I just want us to pick it up where we left off, and I'm going to read these verses, and then we're going to pray. It's Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, all the way through 21, so we're going to read a whole four verses. If y'all ready, say, I'm ready. Let's do it. The Apostle Paul says, I pray, I'm praying, pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, verse 19, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength, verse 20, he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead, come on, and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, verse 21, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. Father God, I thank you for this opportunity to preach your word this morning. Lord, I pray alongside the Apostle Paul and that right now, Jesus, right this moment, you would open the eyes of our hearts to understand the gospel, to hear your word, to hear you speak, and to come to know you in a better way than when we came in. Father, help us to become more aware of your presence. Thank you that the same Spirit that rose Christ from the dead, is now at work in us. Speak to us today, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's go ahead and dig deep into these words this morning. I want to preach a message to you today that I'm titling Easter in September. Amen. Easter in September. So some of y'all are confused right now, like, what does that even mean? Why would he call this message Easter in September? The the reason why I want to preach this message in this title is because I don't want us to only experience the resurrecting power of Christ one day out of the year, usually in the springtime. We can experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ today, in September, right now, in this moment, the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is at work in us. And we see that today on display through the Apostle Paul's prayer. I just want you to remember the context of these verses. Paul has made his way through Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through 14, where he gives this 204-word sentence. It's jam-packed with all the blessings that we have in Christ. I will pull it up on the screen here just really quick. We saw eight blessings that we have in Christ that I just want to show you. If we may have a slide of all eight. We saw in verse four, this is the blessed life. In verse four, we're chosen by God. In verse five, we're adopted into God's family. In verse seven, we're redeemed from our past and our sin. In verse eight, we're forgiven of all our trespasses and wrongdoing. In verse nine, God has revealed himself to us through his son, Jesus. In verse 10, we're reunited with the father and it feels so good. Verse 11, we have a godly inheritance that we get from our relationship with Jesus that happens today and is a place secured for us in eternity, in heaven. In verse 13, that is now secured for us and sealed by the promised Holy Spirit so we don't have to be unwavering and unsure if it's really gonna happen or not. I hope I get to heaven is not the words we should use. It's I know I'm going to heaven because we have an inheritance that's secure, amen? Amen. And we don't just experience heaven in eternity. We get to experience heaven today because the Spirit of Jesus Christ is with us here. That's what we were just singing about. This, this is the blessed life. And so the Apostle Paul moves from verse 14 and says, you know what? That's a whole lot of stuff there. That's a whole lot of deep, rich theological items in verse 1 through 13. And so Paul then gets down on his knees and he says, God, I pray that they understand this. Lord, I pray they know what it means to be forgiven. God, I pray that they understand their inheritance. God, I pray that they would get it. When when God says you're redeemed, that you really know that you are bought back and restored to God in his presence. And so Paul's saying, God, I don't want to just write this and have it just kind of go over their head. I want them to experience verse 9. I want them to experience redemption. I want them to experience adoption. I want them to to know what it means and feels like to be a spiritual orphan, where you can't have a relationship with God. You can't go into the temple and worship. And then God finally says, I'm adopting you. Come home with me. That's the gospel, is that we've been adopted into the house and the family of God. And so Paul's praying now in the second half of chapter one of the blessed life and he's praying, he's saying, Father, God, I want Walk Church to get it. I really want them to get it. And so we pick it up here in verse 18 and let us just go ahead and read 18 and 19a so we can catch up where we left off last week and then jump into the verses that we have planned and prepared for today. Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. We talked a little bit about last week how God has called us to hope. Like we have actual real hope in Christ. This isn't it. This life isn't it. And maybe you had a bad day yesterday. It ain't it. We have hope in him. We have hope for tomorrow. We have hope for the next day. We have hope. There's a family in our church that recently experienced the death of a loved one. A young boy who passed away they have hope because of the gospel in Christ that they're gonna see that little boy again there's hope in Jesus for what it is to come in our own lives the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people we have hope in this inheritance and his uncomparably great power for us who believe and now we could stop there and we could amen that and receive that and that'd be a good word But as we continue reading, Paul says, I wanna tell you guys about the power that you have in Christ. This isn't just any old power. This is some real significant power that you guys need to learn and know about today, all right? He says, the power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. When I see this word power, dunamis, it's in the Greek, this word power... Um, I really see three different types of power that we're going to walk through uh, today. So when you hear about power in Christ, that we have power in the Lord, that we ex- experience and receive power from God, I want to talk about three different powers. There are three S words, so for our note takers out there, hopefully you'll be able to get it, remember it, and write them down. The first power that I want to talk about today is saving power, saving power. Saving power is important. Uh, George just delivered a great message on the Lord's Supper and Communion about how today's the day of salvation. You know that the word Jesus, the name Jesus, is actually the Hebrew name Yeshua, which translates to the English word salvation. So every time you say Jesus, what you're really doing is saying Savior. Yeshua, the Savior. That's who he is. And he brings saving power to to our lives. One of my favorite verses in the entire Bible is Romans chapter 1, verse 16. If you've never memorized Romans 1.16, maybe you could challenge yourself and say, I'm gonna spend the whole month of September reading this verse once a day. You wake up, you read Romans 1.16. When you go to sleep, read Romans 1.16. By the end of September, you'll memorize Romans 1. Here's what it says: He says, For I am not ashamed. Everybody say, Not ashamed. Not ashamed. Look at your neighbor and say, Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. Don't tell don't be ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Why are you not ashamed, Paul? He tells us why. For it is the power, say power. power. It is the power of God for salvation. The power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I love this word, everyone. For the Jews thought for many, many years that salvation alone belonged to the Jews and there was a sense of truth to that but God and the Father were saying hey I want everyone to experience my saving power I want every single person from Las Vegas Nevada to Uganda to experience the gospel of Jesus Christ and in doing so they'll experience my power I thank God that we get to experience his power in salvation what does it look like to experience God's power in salvation here's what it looks like It looks like hearing this gospel, the word gospel really just means good news. Brothers and sisters, this is not good advice. This is not a good recommendation. This is good news that you need to hear. This is historical news. This is powerful news. This is redemptive news. This is breaking news right here that God sent his son in the form of a baby 2,000 plus years ago He was born of a virgin, fulfilling prophecies from Isaiah and Jeremiah and Malachi. He he fulfilled these prophecies that were to come, and God sent his own flesh. Born of this prophetic virgin, he would then grow up. His name was Jesus. He would never sin. He would live the sinless life, the life that we couldn't live, the perfect life, the true blessed life, the life that we continue to fail at daily. Jesus lived it perfectly for us. And because of that, he would then be be crucified on the cross in our place where he would die on the cross, a sinner's, criminal's, thief's death. You're thinking, who was the criminal? You're the criminal. You're the thief. You're, you're, You're the person who blew it. And Jesus is dying your death on the cross. And because of that, all of your sin is imputed to Jesus. Here's the power of salvation. When you believe this good news message... All the godly, blessed, perfect life inheritance that Jesus worked for, lived for, died for, all that becomes yours when you believe. You don't have to do anything but receive it. Like you can reject it. I don't want all that blessing, Jesus. Or you can receive it and say, I believe you died for me, God. I believe you didn't stay dead, but you rose from the dead. And I receive your saving, powerful spirit today. And because of that, I can be saved. That's the blessed life right there. That's the power of salvation. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of that message. Paul's like, I know some people that are scurred. They're scurred. Don't be scared. They're scared to say that message. They're scared to proclaim, yeah, I actually believe the gospel. Paul's saying, I'm not ashamed. Some people, are, some people in the Roman church, they were scared. They were ashamed to proclaim the gospel the good news of the gospel. Let me tell you some of the reasons why. People like Caesar and Nero, if you do European history, you'll see that Caesar was offended by the gospel. Nero was offended by the gospel enough to wreck a whole city, enough to have many, many people put to the sword and and covered in tar and sawn in two. And Paul said the gospel message is an offensive message. But it's also a saving message. And it's the message of salvation and it's the power of God. And so I'm thankful for the power of God through the gospel that we have in our own lives and that we can even share and deliver with friends and family and teammates and coaches and coworkers and people that we love and people that we know. We get to take part in the saving power of Jesus. And Paul is saying, he's praying For the Ephesians, God, don't let them be an ashamed church. God, I'm praying the Ephesians would be an unashamed church, and I believe that we can take part in that prayer this morning. And, Father, I'm praying for Walk Church to be a church that is unashamed and unapologetic when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ because that's really the only message that counts. There's only one message that can save. There's all types of messages out there, but there's really only one powerful message Like, what makes the message powerful? The gospel, Jesus Christ, for everyone, everyone who would believe. The second power that we see is sanctifying power, sanctifying power. I want to talk about not just saving power. It's one thing to be saved from your sin and then go right back to your sin. But when you're saved and you're growing in your sanctification, which is just a big churchy word we saying, I'm growing. Like, w- w- when you're being sanctified, that just means that, hey, I'm better September 2017 than I was September 2016. When you're being sanctified and you're experiencing the sanctifying power of God, that means, you know what, I'm actually growing in my walk with Jesus. I'm actually reading the word. I'm praying. I'm going to church. I'm getting better with this thing. Like, I'm working on my game. I'm practicing. I'm in the gym. The spiritual gym. Right? That's what it means... To be sanctified is that I'm growing closer to Jesus. I look more like Jesus than I did yesterday. That's what it means to grow in sanctifying power. Let's look back at our verses. Ephesians 1, verse 19b through 20. He says, that power, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. When, when God chooses to raise Christ from the dead, that is a big, big deal, amen? Like, like the man Jesus Christ, hear me church, the man actually died. Like on a cross, crucified, blood everywhere, crown of deep, sharp thorns on his head, people mocking and scoffing at him, and his best of the best crew didn't even show up. They were ashamed. Peter, I don't know that guy, started cussing. He was ashamed. And on Jesus' worst day, his homies didn't show up, except for John and his mom. And Jesus is there on the cross, and it literally killed him. And while he was being killed for our sins, He even was praying prayers for us. God, forgive them for they know not what they do. God, give them the eyes to see who, what they're doing. We saw it, we saw experienced. There was two thieves crucified next to Jesus. One thief kept making fun of him, kept mocking him. Get us down from the cross if you're really God. One thief finally came to him. His eyes of his heart was opened. That's God. Just remember me when you get to heaven. That's all I want. Could you imagine Jesus looked over at him? Today you'll join me in paradise. Wow, what a, what a, what a glorious word. Cru- crucified on the cross, crown of thorns, ministering to this broken thief. That's the only type of repentance he could do. He wasn't gonna live through that. The only type of repentance was faith. He wasn't gonna get baptized after that. He wasn't gonna take the Lord's Supper after that. He wasn't gonna be able to tell everybody he was sorry. All he could do was just say, Jesus, just remember me. And by his faith, I believe we'll see that thief turned, saved in heaven one day. Because he experienced the saving power of the gospel right there on the cross. And the sanctifying power also takes place in the resurrection as well. I want to give you guys another verse that I want to talk about in this context. It comes from Ephesians chapter 3. If you stick around long enough with us, we'll make it to this verse, I promise, all right? But this is just a trailer, all right? It's the sneak peek. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Do me a favor. Can you guys help me with this one? Let's read this off the screen together. One, two, three. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us catch that for a second. Maybe you would be tempted to limit God's power. You would be tempted to think, yeah, I know, but God's not that powerful to do that. He's not powerful enough to bring that person back. He's not powerful enough to reconcile this relationship. He's not powerful enough to change this addiction that I have. He's not powerful enough to expose the truth when really I've been lied about. He's not Hear this, now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. To the degree that you think of God's power, he's able to do more than that. To the degree that you ask for God's power, he's able to do more than that. He's able, church. Not according to your power, but according to the power at work within us. The sanctifying power of the gospel is that the same power that rose Jesus from the grave, the Holy Spirit blasted into the grave, all right? Removed the tomb, blinded the guys that were guarding the, the grave. The Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the grave. I love how Jesus folded his clothes all nicely and said, all right, let's do this. You know what I'm saying? That's the, the Savior, the God that we believe in. And he is here with us today, and he's not just with us. Church, let me see your eyes. He's in us. He's in us. I'll clap with you guys. I I, I need to know that here's the difference. Maybe you would come here today and you say, what's really the difference between all the religions? I hear this all the time. First off, you need to know that Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is a relationship with God. Religion is do's and don'ts, check boxes and rights and wrongs. If you do this, then if you don't do that... Christianity is just a relationship with Jesus. That's it. It's to know him deeply, intimately, vibrant, fresh, real, authentic relationship with Christ. That's what Christianity is all about. And the second thing that we see in this relationship is that God sends his spirit to live within us. You need to know that this morning. And if you don't have the spirit of God living in you, here's my challenge to you. At some point today, whether it's as we respond to this message or it's tonight before you go to sleep or it's whenever you're ready to surrender, say, God, I'm ready to surrender. Send me your Holy Spirit. I can't do this on my own. I need your help. I need your strength. I need your power. I need your saving spirit. I need to be resurrected. Pray that prayer. Say, Jesus, don't just save me. Resurrect me. Resurrect my broken heart. Resurrect a a broken marriage. Resurrect a, a, a broken childhood resurrect these things, Jesus, I need that, and his spirit can do that. His spirit can do that far more abundantly than you could ever ask or think. That's the type of prayer I'm praying for year three at Walk Church. When I say we're just getting started, God, God, more than ever I could even think, do more than that with Walk Church. More than we could even ask for, do more than that with Walk Church. Do more on this Spencer Street. Do more in the life of this School. There are amazing things happening right around us. God, I'm praying for more of that. God, I'm getting greedy with God. He wants us to. God says, Bring it. Come on. You're not going to outgive me. You can't outpray me. God loves to show off his power. Because when God shows off his power, he gets the glory. And he deserves the glory. So we have saving power, we have sanctifying power within us. So I want before I move past this point, I want you to do this. If you have areas in your life that need resurrecting, if you have areas in, the, in your life that you're struggling in, that you need growth in, and let me just go ahead and um, out us here today. We all need growth in some area. We all do. We, none of us have completely arrived. Maybe you're close, all right, but there's still some area that you need growth in. There's lots of areas that I need growth in. And so here's what I've been doing. While I've been studying this, I've been tapping into the power of this prayer. I've been going to God and saying, all right, God, here's an area that I need resurrection in. God, here's an area that I need growth in. Here's an area where I need sanctifying power. And God will do it because he's able to do it, amen? Let me give you guys the third power as we get ready to finish up today. Uh, The third power that we see is spirit power. Spirit power. When we believe in Jesus, we surrender our lives to him. We get saving power for eternity and for today. We get sanctifying power where the spirit is within us, and we get spirit power to do things that we would have never been able to do in our own lowercase p power. Let me show it to you out of Acts chapter one, verse eight. Acts one, eight. The author of the book of Acts says, you will receive, say that word with me, Power, you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to Las Vegas, Nevada. That was my translation, all right? But, but it's in the ends of the earth. That, that, that was in there, all right? Um, so you go ahead and fill, up, fill in the gap that from Jerusalem, the home base, To Judea, he moved a little further out. To Samaria, now we're crossing cultural barriers. Remember, the Samaritans were considered outcasts. The Samaritans were considered half-bloods. They were unclean. They were dirty. They were sinful. They were wicked. He says, you're going to receive power so that you'll be a powerful witness, even in Samaria. (gasps) No. That's got to be some great power. Haydn, why would you want to plant a church in the city of sin? People say that, they must have forgot about the power. You must not understand God's power. Come on, why? You must not understand about the Lord's power. Like Jesus is scared of a city. Our God is in the city. He's here. I love what the, the author of Hebrews says. In Hebrews 11, he says that Jesus went outside of the camp to minister to those who are outside, right? He's outside of the church and he's inside of the church. He's everywhere. And we have power to, to jump in. We have power to be his witness. Now, witness doesn't just mean, all right, hey, um, hey, Ryan, I just want to share my faith. I want to witness to you. It's not just that. Your whole life is a witness. I'll tell you what's a bad witness is if you share your faith and don't live it. That's an unpowerful witness. The Spirit empowers us to be a witness with our words, brothers and sisters, and our lives. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be a Christian, not just on Sunday, but in the break room on Tuesday. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live the gospel out, not just here today, but when you're playing a pickup game and somebody calls a bad foul. That was, when was for me, for a sports player. All right, the the, the Holy Spirit empowers you to have your godliness even when you watch the football game later. The Holy Spirit empowers you to make a relationship right that you really don't want to do. The Holy Spirit empowers us to even apologize or to, to relay forgiveness, extend forgiveness. These are tough things. Sometimes you could say, man, I don't want to forgive that person. The only way you can forgive that person is if the forgiving one himself who forgave you empowers you to do it you have to have the spirit to be able to give it in order to say no to sin you have to have the holy spirit who always says no to sin empower you to do it and so the same power that raised jesus from the grave is now at work In us, three different types of powers power to save us, power to sanctify us, power to send us His Spirit. And now, here's what I want us to see before we close is that we need to grasp hold of this truth. We need to to understand that this is our reality. I love what John MacArthur says in his commentary. He says that God's great power. That very power which raised Jesus from the dead and lifted him by ascension back to glory to take his seat at God's right hand is given to every believer at the time of salvation and is always available. Always available. Let's keep reading. As we go to the next slide. Paul therefore did not pray that God's power be given to believers, but that they would be aware of the power that they already possessed. In Christ, and not just be aware of it. Use it, like Paul's saying. Hey, I know they already got it. Would they just be aware of it so they could use it? One of the things that my my wife always gets me on is um, we we have a, uh, a a little remote that helps us enter into the gates where we where we live, and I always drive up to that thing where you got to open the window you never can reach long enough to put the code in does anybody else just hate that thing you put the wrong number in it calls somebody they're like hello like sorry I was just trying to get in all right but but I have one of those little click things that now opens the gate I just never remember to use it and so Nina says why are you rolling your window down just hit the button I'm slowing down creeping up to it just hit the button and, 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 and what Jesus is trying to communicate to you today is like, yo, you already have the Holy Spirit. Stop trying to fight it on your own. You, you, you already have the power to be a witness. Stop trying to worry whether you did good enough or not. You have the power to say no to sin. Tap into it. Be aware of it. You possess it. Use them. The Holy Spirit is waiting for you to tap them in. Like, like, let me get into the game. Let, I can do that way better than you. Jesus is like, I can live the Christian life better than you. Let me live it through you. Give me a shot. Give me a chance. Let me prove you wrong. You can do this abundantly more than you could even ask or think. I'm at work in you. I can reconcile your marriage. I can reconcile your relationship with your kids. I can reconcile your relationship with friends. I can do it. I'm powerful enough to do it. Just let me do it. John MacArthur says, be aware, but not just be aware. Use them. We already have the possessions in Christ. Give you guys one more quote, and then we'll go ahead and close in prayer. Uh, R. Kent Hughes, in his commentary on Ephesians, says, he says that the greatest display of this power that we're talking about was seen when God raised Christ from the dead. Just as the cross is the highest display of God's love, so the resurrection is the ultimate display of His power. No created force could ever do this but what Paul wants us to see personally and practically is that the immeasurable greatness of God's power is toward us who believe I want you just to see that you can tap in today you can come to him you can come before him and you can tap into the power and you can be the person who God's called you to be be prepared to close right now, I want us to just go into a time of prayer. And I want us to now just lift our hearts up to the Lord. That there's no display of power in our nation today, whether it's through our government or whether it's through a storm or whether it's through a neighbor or through an authority that is above the name of Jesus. Let's call on his name right now.